Welcome to Cream's World. Welcome to Cream's World. Welcome to Cream's World. Hey guys, it's Cream. Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Cream. I know lately I have been bringing you guys conversations with me and a guest. And I haven't really had a conversation where it's just you and me. So today's conversation is just going to be about, it's going to be us, just going to be us talking to each other. And uh, what sparked this conversation was watching Mary J. Blige's My Life documentary. And I literally just finished watching it. And I said, let me go ahead and record my conversation with my people while I am feeling the way that I feel. So... I'm gonna give a little bit of background. I just wanna start out by saying that um, as a young woman growing up and now as an adult, there have been few people that I would say have um, shaped me or helped shape me into the woman that I am today. And some of those people, well, most of those people were women. Uh, Some of those people were family members, people that I actually know. And a few of those women were people that I've never met, but who they are, what they've exuded, what they've given to the world has had an impact on me. And Mary J. Blige happens to be one of those women. So today's conversation with Cream is a letter to Mary J. Blige. So I think this is a series that I'm going to continue to do because there are a few women that are in entertainment that have shaped some portion of me or had some type of impact on me and i want to write an open letter to them and this is going to be ongoing because i'm a woman i'm still growing i'm still learning things about myself and still discovering aha moments like wow i remember when i was going through this at this age and now that i'm this age i understand now why I feel the way I feel based on this memory or whatever it was that jarred this memory to come back into my mind. It's like, wow, now I understand why I do this this way because I remember when this happened back during this time. So that's what my letters are going to be about. They're not gonna always be to someone in entertainment, but I feel like it's better to do those because you guys actually can go and research the person that I'm talking about, or you already know the person that I'm talking about. So today's conversation is an open letter to Mary J. Blige. And one of the things that I want to start out with talking about is the way Mary J. Blige dressed in one of her videos. So growing up, I my mom eventually started going to a non-denominational church. And I think I was around about 10 years old, 10 or 11. And There were some things that went on in our life, some uh, traumatic experiences, at least for me, my father passed, my grandmother passed, and we moved, and there was just all these changes in my life as a child that occurred that I didn't really understand at that time. And some of those things that occurred or um, experiences that I experienced and things that occurred in my life affected me, you know, growing up and as an adult now, I I can look back and say, ah, this is why I'm like this, or this is why these 
things that people do affects me the way they do because of these incidents that happened at a younger age in my life. And going to a non-denominational church was very different for me because I grew up in a family that taught us to be exactly who we are. We were allowed to be free to express ourselves. I am a creative adult and I was a creative child and I was allowed to be creative. I was allowed to be exactly who I wanted to be. If I said I wanted to be a ballet, a ballet dancer today, trust and believe I was gonna be enrolled in dance classes and I was gonna have all the dance gear that I was supposed to have. And then if next month I didn't feel like being a dancer and I wanted to play basketball, I was gonna be enrolled in basketball. But this church that my mom joined turned my life around because now I was being told that who I was was bad and who I was was wrong. And all these things that I loved and liked and this person that I was being raised to be was no longer the person that I was allowed to be because all these strangers were telling my mom that I couldn't be this person. And one of the ways that I loved expressing myself was through fashion and clothes. Even at a young age, I understood fashion, I understood clothes. And that is something that was really big to my great aunt. Like she always made sure that we looked good from head to toe. That's what her mom instilled into her. And then she was the matriarch of our family, especially after my grandmother passed. And that's what she instilled in all of us. Whether you were a boy or a girl, you were going to dress. You were going to be dressed <laughs> and you were going to, you weren't going to leave the house, as she would say, looking like you just got off the boat. <laughs> you were going to represent our family well. So um, my mom joining this church changed a lot of things for me. My sister and my brother were very young, so it didn't really affect them as much as it did me because I actually remember being myself and going from being myself to being told how to dress, what to do, how to walk, how to talk, all these things. And mind you, I was a little girl and this was just weird for me. So here I am not being able to dress how I want to dress, being told that I could only wear skirts and the skirts had to be this certain length. They had to look a certain way. My hair had to look a certain way. My shirts had to be a certain way. My shoes had to be a certain way. Like we were told how to dress and that was it. No questions asked. So in going to school, being a kid, being around other kids, kids are kids. And when kids don't understand something, some kids, they go to bullying. Like, you're different, this is weird, I don't understand it, so let me bully you. So for the next couple of years, I, you know, two or three years, I was bullied for wearing skirts. <laughs> you know, I was this little girl and I was being bullied for wearing skirts, which really wasn't my choice, which is still dumb. Like, hey, why are you bullying another kid for wearing skirts? It wasn't that I didn't have the latest but it was just that I wore skirts every day and I wore long skirts every day. And my, I was just fully covered as a kid in the summertime. And everyone's like, why are, why are you dressed like this? Like we're going outside or we're going here, we're going there. Why are you wearing a skirt? Why can't you just put on some shorts like other kids and come outside and play? Why do you have, why are you dressed like you're going to church? 
And I didn't really know what to tell these people. I was a kid, they were kids. And I will never forget Mary J. Blige. Just the existence of Mary J. Blige happening. And she was this cool girl. She was older, but she was cool. And now as an adult, I understand, you know, everyone's talking about the whole ghetto fabulous and the hood girl and all that. But when I was younger, I didn't know what that was. I just knew she was this cool girl and she wasn't Debbie Gibson. (laughs) She wasn't um, all the other like super sugar pop girls that we were watching. You know, she wasn't, she just wasn't that. And I remember seeing her with the coolest outfit on in her video and it was a skirt. And I was like, oh my God, like now I have someone that I can say, look, she has a skirt and she's cool. When I saw her and all her dancers with the little tennis skirts on, even though I wasn't allowed to wear short skirts, but still, she had on a skirt, she had on a jersey, combat boots, the hat, and then she had a little hole cut out at the top. Listen, that changed my life because I was that girl that was into fashion and I was that girl that really was into dressing as myself. I never wanted to look like anybody else. I didn't want to look like Mary J. Blige, but she just did something to me for me as this girl who was being bullied for having to wear skirts every day and trying to figure out how I could still be me while being compromised by this new religion that my mom had joined and seeing Mary J. Blige in that skirt with those combat boots and a hat and they were dancing and she had her jewelry on, which I wasn't allowed to wear. Um, it just transformed me. It just did something to me. And from then on, I was just dead set. Like Mary J. Blige is, I love her. And, you know, all of my little friends and me, we were just like all about Mary J. Blige. And I think at the time, you know, you could say, well, guys are really young, you didn't really understand her lyrics. But I just think like the emotion, especially for her first album, because I was a little girl and it was fun and she was dancing. Like I said, she was this cool chick and she was the singer with all these rappers. And this is when, you know, rap was just like, wow, rap, (laughs) because I couldn't listen to worldly music then. So um, the only way I could get any type of rap was to hang out with all the older cool kids in the family and I could sneak and listen to rap with them. So I also correlated Mary J. Blige with hanging out with my older cool cousins and all the cool people in the family because that's when I really got a chance to listen to Mary J. Blige and actually just get a feel for her and her music. And like I said, even though I was too young and a lot of those lyrics were based on her own experiences, it was just something about her voice. It was something about the way her music made me feel. And for my young age, the little things that I thought I was going through at that time, I was like, yes, I feel it. You couldn't tell my friends and I that we, you know, what's the 411? What's the 411, hun? So we will always go to each other and say, what's the 411? What's the 411, hun? Like, (laughs) just thinking back to my friends and me just being these little girls and we just knew. 
we just knew we understood Mary J. Blige, but um, just watching her documentary as an adult and thinking back to growing up on Mary J. Blige and all the things that she meant to me throughout my entire life and having a soundtrack to heartache, having a soundtrack uh, to grow up on as a woman, as a black woman who experienced certain things in my life. Like I said, we didn't have the same background. You know, I, I didn't grow up in an environment the way that she grew up in, but the experiences, some of the experiences that she had in her life mirrored some of the experiences that I had in my life. And like I said, I don't wanna give too much away about the documentary in case you didn't see it. But what I will say is, is that in true Capricorn fashion, because if you guys don't know, I'm a Capricorn as well, but in true Capricorn fashion, she gave us just enough, just enough about her life without really giving us too much. You know, she told you enough for you to be like, oh my God, like really? Um, you know, she let you in enough to understand where a lot of the music came from, even though I think most of us that are fans of Mary J. Blige, we knew, but most of the things that we thought we knew or speculated were things that we never really heard come from her in an interview. So it was just amazing to see this version of Mary J. Blige, just her being happy and being with her friends and her family and celebrating just seeing this version of Mary J. Blige just fill my heart because, like I said, growing up on Mary J., we saw her with her heartbroken a lot. And I think we grew to get used to her pain. And I have to admit that I was one of those people that didn't want to hear happy Mary J. Blige songs. I'm like, her music is better when she's sad. And that's being very selfish because who wants to ask someone to continuously be sad in order to entertain. She even said it in her documentary that, and I'm paraphrasing, but she talked about being sad and understanding the reason for going through things and being sad is so that you can experience happiness. And without sadness, um, you have to look at your sadness and say, without this sadness, I wouldn't be able to experience what it feels like to be happy. And just as a woman and being at a time in my life where I just didn't think that Mary J made good, happy music. Oh my gosh, I just feel so bad because having more experience in my life and overcoming things and getting to the happy place after overcoming those things it's like yes we do want to hear happy music from mary j blige i think we just got used to the soulfulness of the pain and trauma that she was going through that was coming through her music and i think for some of us it's just because we went through a lot of things and we could feel that and i would be a liar if i said that sometimes being in the sadness feels good it's like when you're a kid and you scrape your knee and your knee is healing up and you press it <laughs> and you're like, oh my God, this hurts, but it feels good at the same time. So you keep pressing the sore. I think that's what sadness feels like sometimes when you're going through it. 
until you realize that you're in your sadness for way too long and it's time to get over it. Or you're in your sadness for so long that you're thinking of doing bad things to yourself and now you have to climb out of that. And you're hoping that someone notices so they can help you climb out of it. So in seeing this version of her, it just really inspired me. And again, it just let me know that her being one of the women that has helped shape me is, is, is one of the reasons that this story inspired me the most because as I stated, we didn't have the same background, but there's a lot of things that she's overcome that have happened to her in her life that a lot of us can relate to, including myself. Relationship problems, things happening in your life that make you not feel as good about yourself as you should. So now you're working through those things so that you can love yourself as much as you're supposed to love yourself. And I, I really appreciate women like her who are willing to be their authentic selves and be transparent enough to help change other people's lives, who are willing to put their pain out there so that other people can see themselves in someone else enough to evoke change in their life. And she's one of those people. So uh, some of the lyrics that have always stuck with me um, is if you look into my life and see what I've seen, life can be only what you make it. When you're feeling down, you should never fake it. I have to say it like this because I don't want to sing because I'm not singing for you guys. Um, if you go back to the part where it says, when you're feeling down, you should never fake it. And I fake that all the time. <laughs> I'm laughing, but I do. And I think a lot of us do. And at least for me, I don't want to speak for anyone else, but at least for me and maybe some of you out there that are listening, a lot of times you fake being down because you really just don't want to be a burden to other people. And you feel like no one is gonna care. So let's just pretend like we're not down. Let's work through it, let's push through it. Let's find ways to cover it up. Let's find ways to not think about it. Let's find ways to not be sad enough for other people to notice. But like she said, you should never fake it. That's a lot to ask of yourself is to not fake it when you're feeling down. That's a lot to ask. But it's important to exercise. It's really important for your growth as a human being to practice not faking when you're down and actually make your life 
what you want to make it. But you actually have to believe that you can do that. Because honestly, only you, only you can make your life exactly what you want it to be. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't need help from other people. That doesn't mean that don't accept someone's hand up if it's the right hand up. Because even when it came to Mary J. Blige, her stepfather gave her demo to someone who gave her demo to someone and it ended up in Andre Harrell's hands. And Andre Harrell came to her, loved her, and the rest is history from there. But even with those hands up that Mary J. Blige received, she still had to do the work. She still had to do the work. She still had to do the work. That is the main thing that you have to take away from that is she still had to do the work. But also, as people on the outside looking into other people's lives, especially the lives of people that you say you care about and then you care for, pay attention. Because something else that stood out to me that Mary J was saying in this documentary was that she was crying out for help. She just wanted people to actually pay attention to her and realize that she was crying out for help when she was writing these songs. She was crying out for help. And I think a lot of people cry out for help and we don't pay attention. Or you put the praying hand emojis under the post. Or you say, let me know if you need anything. Well, the post is telling you that they need something. This is them saying, I need something. This is them saying, I need help. And then we say, praying for you, and then that's the prayer. We put the praying hand emojis and that's the prayer. We say, like I just said, let me know if you need something, hit my inbox. No, if you have their number, you read the post, post the praying hand emojis and call them. Call them and say, meet me here. Call them and say, where are you now? I'm coming to you right now. That is what you do. Because there are a lot of people that are, that are asking for help. There are a lot of people that are saying that they need help, that they want help, and they're crying out. And all they want is that one person that actually is paying attention enough to realize that that's what they're doing because they need that. They're posting these things because they're hoping that you read between the lines. So we have to do better at reading between the lines. So if we're asking people, when you feel down, you should never fake it. If they aren't faking it, then we have to read between the lines when they're being open and authentic, when they're being transparent. We have to read between the lines and reach out to them, not just comment on the post, not just like the post, not just post an emoji, not just say, you're in my prayers because they're looking for the one person that actually re read between the lines and came over or called them, FaceTime them, whatever it is, whatever form of communication you have with that person, that's what they're looking for. And we have to do better at doing that. We really do. 
Another line from the documentary that stuck out to me was when she said, I didn't know I was me. That, that was powerful to me at least. I didn't know I was me. Like how many of us are walking around not knowing who we are? Like we pretend or we say, oh, I know who I am, but do you know who you are enough to leave a certain situation, to stop doing certain things, to go get help, to start therapy, to start that program, to, to stop drinking, to stop doing drugs, whatever your vice is, do you know yourself well enough to get some type of help to stop doing all the things that are causing you to not be you. Are you done with that relationship that you know you should be done with so that you can flourish as yourself? Are you still at that job because why not? But you're so unhappy and you know what your talents are, but you're afraid. It's not saying put yourself in a financial dire strait and then you just go out here and just mess up your life because you didn't prepare, but it's starting small on those things that make you happy while you're doing that job that you really wanna leave. Start small on those things that make you happy so that they can then become bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where you can let that job go, <laughs> you know? Turn your love into income, whatever that may be. And even if you have to stay on that job, at least you have your love to look forward to. So if singing is your thing, you're like, hey, listen, I'm not trying to be a singer, but I love singing, go to a karaoke bar. Pay for some studio time and just record some tracks, make CDs for yourself, for your significant other, for your friends, for your loved ones, and just get it out. Go to vocal classes. Do something that involves something that you love so that you can have some type of relief from something that isn't that enjoyable that pays your bills. But again, that really touched me too, which just really got to me. Like when she said, I didn't know I was me, she was watching herself in an old interview. She's like, I didn't know I was me at that point. I didn't know I was me. It's just, I just want to tell Mary J like, thank you so much for being you. Thank you so much for allowing us into the parts of your life that you allowed us into. Thank you for being authentically yourself and for being the voice that a lot of women, especially young black women, didn't know that we needed, but when we got it, we knew we needed that. Thank you for finding yourself enough to make this documentary 
Thank you for finding yourself enough to still be here and overcoming and going and overcoming all the things that you overcame to become this version of Mary J. Blige because you let everyone know that this is what overcoming things looks like. This is the other side of going through things. And as you said in the documentary, like you're still growing and you let everyone know, like, I'm still growing. I'm Mary J. Blige and I'm still growing. But I'm happy about the person that I am right now. So I thank you for being the cool girl <laughs> in the skirt when I was a little girl. Um, with the combat boots on and the hat and the jersey, like you don't know what that Mary J. Blige did for little cream back then that was getting bullies because she was the sanctified girl who had to wear skirts every day. So thank you for that. I also want to thank all of you guys for tuning in to this episode of Conversations with Cream. Don't forget to let me know what you thought about my open letter to Mary J. Blige. Let me know who you would write an open letter to and how they have inspired, empowered, and uplifted you. So thank you guys so much. This is Cream, a.k.a. Miss Cream of the Crop. And this has been another episode of Conversations with Cream.